Hey, everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. This is me, your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start. Um, I'm so excited to welcome you to this first episode that I'm recording. I mean, I guess technically I did an episode last week from the tiny house. So technically I did already, you know, record an intro. Um, but this is the first solo episode I'm doing at the tiny house. So how's, how's that? Um, if you are curious what the tiny house I'm living in looks like, I just posted a tiny house tour, a video tour of the house and the grounds. And I posted that up on my Patreon, which is the best way to support this podcast. If you love this podcast, if it brings you joy, um, patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. Um, and that just reflects that you can take Fat Kid Dance Party classes at the $25 a month level. If you want like a weekly aerobics class, I split it up into four different time slots for different sort of uh availabilities for movement. Um, I have a 10 minute stretch once a month. I do a 20 minute sort of either stretchy cardio, some mix of the two. Um, I do a 45 minute canna size class. That's a class that's a little bit shorter and it's geared towards an experience of cannabis. So it's more like body drop in a little more line dancing, a little less technical. Um, and then a full 50 to 60 minute aerobics class once a month. So we got a good variety you can check those out on patreon.com slash FKDP. But any of my other content pretty much is available at the $5 level. Um, and I do an exclusive podcast of mini episodes there called Bevan's Bites, which is just like little like how to's, self care, some guided meditations. Um, I'm doing some soundscapes from the forest because I live in the forest now. So I want to share that like peace and joy. And I'm finding living in the forest is a very sonic experience. Um, I don't hear frogs every day. I only hear frogs at a specific level of moisture and a specific temperature so far. It's like a really cool way of being really tuned into the world around me. And um, I'm really enjoying it so much. Um, there's also birds. Um, right now it's fall in the Northern hemisphere uh, for my Aussie babes and the other down under folks listening. Um, and so because it's fall, crunchy leaves are like all over the ground and it's just really cool. And like, even just walking, I do a forest walk. There's a nature trail in the community that I, I live in. There's like a huge expanse of forest that's just owned by the HOA and it stands for homeowners association. And, um, so I get to just walk through the forest. It's pretty amazing. Um, and there's like sections of it that are all like roots. And so you like hear the the echoing on the roots. Anyway, I'm so obsessed with the forest. I love that I'm here. I'm really grateful. It's part of my daily practice to take a walk in nature. Um, and usually it's a forest walk here, but I've also done some beach walks and I guess a boat yard isn't technically nature, but it's like on the water. So I feel like, but anyway, I love to walk in boat yards as well. Cause I think boats are cool. Um, anyway, so that's my Patreon. I also wanted to announce, and I'm going to announce this on all of my platforms, um, that I'm going to start piloting a self-love workshop, so a live self-love workshop via the Zoom technology. So Zoom is a great app for um, having meetings online. Um, it's great one-on-one, -on -one and it's great for groups. I've loved Zoom. And so I'm going to do a self-love workshop um, for members of my Patreon at any level. So if you can join at the $2 level and come to my self-love workshop. Um, it's going to be live and I'm going to do it at the time that works the best for the most people. Um, and, uh, I've done this workshop several times. If you're one of my glowing goddess getaway babes, you've probably been to, uh, my self-love workshop, but of course, none of the workshops are mandatory at the Glowing Goddess Getaway, so you might not have made it. So here's your chance to come to one. And I also find, I've also done it at, I did it at Camp Heal, which was super exciting. It was my best one yet. Um, and I love doing them. I love teaching about self-love. It's the thing I'm most passionate about and the thing I want to help you most with. So um, sign up and uh, on Patreon, any level, two bucks. Um, and we're going to do it and it'll be really fun. And you can also watch the archive too. That'll be available if you don't want to go live. Um, but if you have self-love questions for me, please, please, please um, pop into that workshop. It'll be super fun. Um, and I wanted to also announce that I'm doing a Fat Kid Dance Party aerobics class in Seattle, Washington um, on November 23rd. 
it's at noon. It's a Saturday class. Um, it's a smaller class. And if you are one of my Patreon members who is taking my weekly online aerobics class, you get in for free. And if you're uh, one of my Patreon members taking that uh, the weekly online class, I'm going to record the class for you. So either way, you get to be there. Um, here I am creating community in real life and uh, virtually all at the same time. Look at how we're using the digital technology to connect us. Um, a lot like mushrooms, I saw a mushroom documentary last weekend called Fabulous Fun Fungi. Fungi, I forget. I, I listened to a whole documentary of them pronouncing it correctly, and it's always the way I'm not thinking. Anyway, it was a great documentary. I learned a lot. Mushrooms are amazing. They can teach us a lot about how to stay interconnected. Um, and I feel like the internet is very much like how the mycelium network is underground and um, how it transmits information. It's really cool. I'm really excited um, to have learned so much about mushrooms and to get to go in the forest and see mushrooms all the time. Um, a little life update before I get into the meat of this podcast episode, which is going to be my experience in the gig economy, because I went really hard in the gig economy the last six months. And so I want to share with you, while my knowledge is still fresh and relevant, and um, let you out there if you are out there gigging away. Um, so my updates center around emotional maturity. I just want to give myself a sticker. Like if I have a sticker chart about all of the things that I'm handling for myself right now, I want to just give me give myself a sticker chart for a, like gold star or maybe a Christmas themed like sticker because right now I feel we're in full Christmas season being uh, November, December. But um, I know that's up for debate. But for me, I'm like, it's Christmas right now. I want a sticker, the Christmas sticker acknowledging my emotional maturity because I have dealt with a lot of BS from my movers. And I have really worked hard to just stay steady throughout it. And like, it's given all of the things, and I don't actually even want to get into it at length about what happened with my movers. Um, in some, there's just so much that uh, I went through not the least of which is like they raised the price by $500 when they came and picked up my stuff because they had estimated incorrectly the size of my recliners and my high heel shoe chairs, which I was very explicit about when I got the quote, the guy just like will the sales guy just willfully put in the wrong amount of cubic feet for those things. And I was the person that was on the hook for that error that he made that I, I didn't even get access to something that showed me what cubic feet it was. Um, and like, how am I going to know that? So um, I had to leave those recliners at home because I could not afford to move them because of their extortion of extra money. And then they like changed. Anyway, there's just so many things, but my stuff showed up about one fifth of it is missing. Like literally those boxes just didn't show up. Um, and about a third of what did show up showed up damaged or opened and rifled through and stolen from. Um, and so I am like, going to be filing a claim because they gave me a mover claim form when with my paperwork. Um, I'm going to go to every single review site that I looked for about these movers. I looked on the Better Business Bureau. I looked on Yelp and I did a Google search for reviews of them. Um, and I'm going to contaminate all of those with uh, exactly my experience with them from start to finish. Um, and I'm going to write a website a, a blog about it. I like, I'm not a big person on like writing negative stuff on the internet, but like these movers, like I need to prevent anybody from ever using them because they were outrageous. And, but the way like my emotional maturity kind of flowed into this is that I know it's the moving company and like the people selling it and doing it and running it. It's not the people who showed up at my house. Cause like they were really nice and I wasn't going to take it out on them that uh, this company was screwing me, but basically like they wouldn't take my stuff uh, and I was going to be stuck like in California with all my stuff and losing my deposit to the movers if I didn't like have them take it. So I ended up having to take a bunch of stuff out of what I was moving because they had es estimated things incorrectly. And I ended up having um, all of this loss because of how they stored it or stole stuff. Like, I don't know, like what are they doing with people's things that this is how my stuff arrived? I, like I had a box that was China heirloom china um that was fully in a square shape because boxes are rectangular um and then when it arrived it was round and it was wrapped and then there was tape around it that was not tape that i used it was just i had used clear tape and they put brown tape around it so i don't know what happened 
to this box specifically. Like I was just like, this box should not be round. Uh, but anyway, like I, it was interesting cause like the movers yesterday when they were dropping it off, like they seemed very surprised at the condition of the stuff. Cause they had said, they told me and I believe them that they just picked up the truck with stuff already pre-packed in there. So they didn't know. And my stuff was in the back. So they had to move a whole job out of the way so that they could get my stuff, which was just a, you know, supply chain error. Like they should never have set things up like that. But, um, and that, that process waiting for them to do to take it out the other job and to put it back on that added an extra hour, um, during <laughs> the move. So annoying. Um, a half an hour in the front and half an hour at the back, but, um, they, they weren't responsible for it. So like, even though I was experiencing heightened emotion and rage and getting really mad at like the condition of my stuff as things kept coming off the, the moving truck and I was just so mad, but like, I couldn't take it out on other people. And so that's like, I've been doing a lot of work around emotional maturity and like, what does that mean? And what does that sound like? And how do you stay stable all the time? And I think that has helped a lot, like the work I've done about codependency and how to not be dependent on other people for how I feel um, has really played into that. So I'm grateful for all of that work. But then also just really like noticing myself, like being like, okay, like you're not making other people responsible for how you're feeling because like, it's not those guys' fault. Like I'm, I believe, I don't think either of those guys, they, they were actually really sad that more of my stuff wasn't on there and they expressed outrage on my behalf. And so I was like grateful for that. And I am now going to pursue a claim with them. I'm going to pursue a chargeback on my card because I charged it to my visa debit. So hopefully there's something I can do there. But I mean, I'm out probably like several thousand dollars worth of stuff in terms of what it costs to replace things. Um, but, you know, I, I just trust I trust the goddess. I trust my spirituality to just handle things. And like, I'm really, really proud of my emotional maturity and, you know, also knowing like, okay, you have rage, where's your rage showing up in your body. And like, it turns out when I'm angry, it's really, it's a belly emotion. And so I was just feel, I was just, every time I was feeling it while I was like, these people were bringing my broken things off of this truck. I was just like feeling it and noticing where it was landing in my body because that's one of the kindest things you can do is just acknowledge where something's happening emotionally in your body. Um, so grateful that I did that for me. Um, more updates from my life. Um, I am really working to understand, um, how to become like a Gilmore Girls, CW, Heart of Dixie, sort of like small town wacky character person. Like, how am I going to fit in where I'm going to meet people and connect with people and understand who these characters are in my small town that I live in, right? So I live in a tiny like HOA, right? But the closest town is about 9,000 people, which I think is a pretty small town. It's the smallest I've ever lived in. Um, and so I'm really like trying to figure out like what my niche is and like how I meet people and how I become like a character in this town and meet the characters in this town. Um, and so I'm rewatching some Gilmore Girls to see like, I'm like, how does Stars Hollow do this? Like, and then I noticed, oh, town council meetings. Maybe I need to go to city hall meetings. I don't know. So I've already gone to um, a local LGBTQ women's group. Um, they had a meeting like literally the three or four days after I moved here. So I was just like, why not? Why not go meet people? So I went and I met some people and it was nice. So I'm doing stuff like that. I'm going to coffee shops. I've been going to the food co-op a lot, you know, just like connecting, trying to meet people, um, being that person who's eager for a conversation. Um, so anyway, I'm out there trying to make magic in my life. I got a P.O. box uh, from a really cool, um, if you watch my Instagram stories, I'm at Bevan's Party on Instagram. Um, I have been showing my mail view when I go pick up my mail because the mail has an amazing view from the building that it's in. So anyway, I'm excited to be sharing about my little small town life. And I'm going to keep you updated about um, all of the fun things I'm doing. And, um, and I'm also looking to set up like maybe a, an energy healing practice in town, because it's a kind of woo town with a lot of tourism. And I'm like, Oh, 
maybe I put up a flyer because there's all these bulletin boards around town because it's like the 90s and you don't even need the internet to know what's going on. That's how I found about that women's group meeting was from a bulletin board flyer. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I make a point every time I go check my mail to look at the bulletin board of the post office. And I also uh, look at the bulletin board of the co-op and at coffee shops. So, you know, just doing that kind of stuff and trusting and meeting people and going to, going to stores and meeting clerks. I don't know. If you have good small town, get involved advice, send me a message. Uh, let me know. Um, anyway, so we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, we are going to dive into the gig economy and all the things I've learned while gigging. We're going to a music break, but I really want to introduce this song in a more meaningful way. So I'm going to do a little storytelling. I, uh, two years ago, I decided to take this class. It was called the Camera Ready Experience. And I didn't know the people who were teaching it. um, And I didn't know exactly what the class entailed. It was a little mysterious, but basically I understood it to be media training uh, for people to feel confident in front of a camera. And I just like, I don't know, I didn't even really research it that much. I just kind of had a strong gut instinct that I needed to take this class. And I thought, I rationalized in my head, I was like, well, I've never had any formal on-camera training. And um, also I met the the couple who was running it um, through a network of people who I've really enjoyed and like basically everyone I've met through this network. Um, and in fact, some of them have already been on my podcast as guests, but everyone I've met on this network um, is extraordinary. And so I just kind of like knew this like camera, like if I wanted on camera training, I wanted it from folks like this, like social justice minded people who want to change the world for the better. And, uh, and truly uh, Caduce and Carmina who led my camera ready experience really taught me um about the impact of impact and compound impact and how you putting your story out there um, is incredibly powerful because it then like helps other people get into their highest alignment. And then that helps other people, right? Like, so like if I'm, so I think about this when I, whenever I feel stressed out about climate change or water, like water getting contaminated, I, would then remember, like, I'd feel really powerless over this because I don't know how to solve the water crisis. I don't know how to, like, solve um, any of the environmental stuff going on, right? But I trust other people can do it. And the thing that's on my heart to do in the world um, is to teach dance aerobics. You know what I mean? And, like, so my dance aerobics classes, like, help people vibe up and do their self-care so they can go out and save the water or save the environment, right? Like, so it's, like, the compound effect of, like, what you do doing your greatness helps other people be in their greatness, which like, is that that's how we're going to change the world. I learned that philosophy from Caduce and Carmina. And I don't even know that I think they have a much more succinct way of talking about it. But for me, it was just like all of that. Right. So I walk into this thing thinking it's going to be on camera training. And it turns out to be this like complete self-development, like personal revitalization, like tune up. It's like getting an oil change for your soul. Um, like really like seeing like where your fear is blocking you and where it's keeping you from owning your story. Um, and it, they gave us so many tools and ways to connect with our body and our confidence and like did some stuff to like help people release things that were holding them back. And then by the end of the weekend, everyone was like glowing on camera, ironically. Right. Um, I mean, not ironically, but like it, exactly as designed. Right. So I didn't, I just didn't expect it to be like personal glow up camera ready. Like, but that's what it was. And it was extraordinary. And, um, in that class was Austin, who's the lead singer of magic giant. Magic giant is a band you might've heard of, but if you haven't, I'm really grateful to get to be the person that tells you about it. You have a treat in store for you. So I had heard of Magic Giant before this class, and I actually listened to some of their songs. I found them jaunty um, and uh, just beautiful and, like, driving. And, like, they're the kind of, like, uplifting songs that make you want to dance. And I'm just going to give you kudos if, like, you listen to this song coming up uh, and if you dance around. Because taking a dance break, I I take one every day, uh, is just so good for the soul. And it helps to connect you to your true purpose and your true self. 
and it helps you shed your inhibitions to dance. So I dare you to dance if you're in a place where you can dance. Um, and if you're in a cubicle, I really hope that you like do a little chair dance. Um, anyway, but it was so great to be in this class with Austin. I mean, not only because he's just incredible, great person with a great dream and a big heart um, to change the world and, um, and just so talented, so talented. And, but then to go away from this really incredible experience with this group of people and have music to dive into and to get to have that be part of it. Cause like, um, I don't know, it was just great. It was really, really good. And so then I just got to dive into all the art of this, uh, amazing band. I really like listened to all I could of magic giant. Um, and Austin was so kind to donate a song, a different song, not this song to the Facky Dance Party workout video. Um, so I'm super grateful to have that as part of it. So I, with all of that backstory, and by the way, if you want to take the camera ready experience, if you're interested um, in pursuing that, um, the web address is cameraready.co. Um, and you can tell them I sent you. And if you want to ask me questions about it, please hit me up. Um, but anyway, I'm really excited. Um, that was such a one of a kind experience. I really like I did it when I lived in LA. Um, but I would fly to LA to do the camera ready experience. It's worth it. It's, it's like that. You you want to make it happen if, if your heart is calling for more authenticity in front of the camera. Um, anyway, that was the longest music intro I've done yet on this podcast. Um, but I, I can just see where this is going. Okay. Love you. <laughs>
from our break. Now let's talk about the gig economy. Um, I wanted to share about this stuff while it's still fresh in my brain because the last six to eight months, well, really like the last year of my life in um, Los Angeles, I spent like deep in the gig economy. Like just like if it was a website or an app that could help me make money, I was probably trying it. I didn't try all of them. I tried a lot of them and there are a lot out there. And I want to say that um, I'm grateful to have lived in California during the brief era of AB5, which is a California bill that classifies um, rideshare drivers as employees. Um, it is absolutely a trash piece of legislation. Like there's no point in classifying a gig economy worker as an employee. The whole point of the gig economy is to have no bosses, no masters, like to not have to have a boss or a schedule or maybe like a, a schedule when you want to work, but not all the time. Like that's the point of the gig economy is like you're available when you're available, but you're flexible to prioritize other things. I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I have a, a few businesses and I wanted to be able to prioritize those um, and still was holding out hope that one of my businesses was going to catch like some traction so that I could live off of it. Meanwhile, I was doing the gig economy. I also applied for a lot of jobs and did not have any luck with that either simultaneous while doing all of this, right? So, um, cause like I needed to trade my time for money and I had time to trade, but when you're doing legislation, trying to make companies responsible for people, for their benefits, for making sure they have enough hours and all the things that the companies used to do. But honestly, I think the government should be doing like the government should be making sure we all have healthcare. The government should be making sure that we are all being treated well. Um, and so why are you legislating us like employees when in fact gig economy is just about like flexible entrepreneurship because we have this millennial generation has more entrepreneurs than ever before. Um, and in fact, like the creation of jobs in our, in our uh, economy right now, especially in the U S is all from entrepreneurship and from doing um, from entrepreneurship and from gig economy stuff. Right. So gig economy should stay independent contractor. What, the government needs to do if they want to protect gig workers, and I think they should do, is make sure that any app that's charging for someone's time, when someone's trading their time for money, that app should not get to take any more than 25% of the earnings. And when I was working for Lyft as a rental Lyft driver, so I rented a car from Lyft in order to drive, they took 70% of my earnings on most of my rides. Um, it was so sad how little take home there is after all of my expenses as a Lyft driver. Um, I, uh, basically after all the mandatory expenses, like cleaning the car, cause I had to pay to clean it, um, and gassing up the car. So I had to pay for all that gas for like driving a thousand miles a week in Los Angeles doing about, uh, 40 to 60 hours of driving a week. Um, I was like basically making 10 bucks an hour after the cost of renting the car, which was $250 a week, um, taken off of my earnings. So like, I didn't ever have to pay, I paid up front for a deposit, but I didn't, um, have to pay for like the rental other than out of my lift earnings. So I would have to drive like three days basically in order to pay for that. And then the rest of what I drove the other days of the week, cause I drove seven days a week, um, was all what I earned. Um, minus what I paid for all of the gas. So it was uh, not, I mean, it's not, it's worth it if you need to make 10 bucks an hour and you want to work whenever you can and like what you want to do. I found like, because I was paying to rent a car, I would like need to binge work. So I would work like two and a half, three weeks at a time. And then I'd turn the car in and I wouldn't um, use the, like I, I wouldn't keep the car on days that I wasn't driving for a lift. Um, there are people who use their own car to drive for Lyft. My car was too old, so you need a late model. Uh, that means a recent kind of car. I think it's like 2008 or earlier um, at this point, but whatever. It, it's not worth it because you're basically like um, sacrificing your value in the car. But of course, cars aren't really an asset that you can count on as value anyway. Um, but like you're sacrificing your value in that car as you're putting miles and wear and tear on it. And then eventually you're like paying for those tires to get replaced and you're paying for like that oil, not just the oil change, but like all of the things you have to do for maintenance on a car. Anyway, whatever, like you're just sacrificing all that value of the money you're putting into that car, or making those car payments or whatever. I also didn't have like the cash or the income 
uh, because I was gigging to support like getting a car. So I couldn't get a newer car to drive for Lyft, but it didn't make sense for me to do that. I think driving the rental cars is really the way to go. Um, Uber, which I never ended up driving for, um, also has a rental uh, situation that is actually much um, easier, more flexible, I guess, because there's more options. So Lyft only has one option. It's rent through Hertz um, and rent it. You basically pick it up on a day. You make an appointment. Um, There's one place for Lyft pickups that was like a three mile walk from my house. So then I didn't have to pay. Like it was, it would make me so mad because like if I needed to get a ride to it, um, I would pay like eight bucks, but I knew my driver was getting $2 and 62 cents because that's how much I would get paid for that length of a ride. And I was just, I couldn't do it. Like I was like, I can't believe that this person's going to get $2 and 62 cents. I'm going to pay eight bucks. Like every time I was like, F it, I'm going to walk. Um, and so I walked, it was a nice walk. It's just hot Southern California. Um, but I would make an appointment there, go pick up the car. Um, you know, the first time I went, they did like a training, but they didn't really train me. I'm kind of figured it out. Um, and you use the app, you go pick people up. Uh, you do not know how long your ride is going to be when you go to pick someone up. Um, you literally are just showing up. And so the only thing, you know, is the person's name and, um, and it could be not their real name. It was often not their real name. Um, and often not their photograph. Like they, I don't think driver safety is actually a concern in any way to Lyft in any, like that you can't even get a customer service person on the phone for Lyft. Like it's, it's like that, they they don't do anything uh, for you. That's not digital. Um, You can text them uh, or like send a thing through the app, but you can't call them. Uh, So if you have an issue, like I returned my car, so you can return the car whenever you want, which I love or when they're open Monday through Friday, nine to four or whatever. Um, I learned the hard way that it's nine to four. Uh, I also learned the hard way because they didn't tell me when they changed the requirement from you don't have to wash the car before you return it to you have to wash and vacuum it before you return it. Return that car had to pay 30 bucks to Hertz. Um, Man, I was mad. Um, You know, like doing gig economy stuff when you're working really hard and then suddenly like, oh, you're like, oh, everything I made today, I'm losing in this fee uh, that you are uh, charging me with. Great, thanks. Um, so I would say like, it's great if you need a job that can pay you 10 bucks an hour, that's flexible. Like if you want to try that, try that. Um, I have also heard that people in other towns make more money on Lyft, which is good. Um, and it's really like a town rate. Cause I did notice that it was specific to LA, how much you made driving around. Um, but anyway, if you know someone who's thinking about driving for Lyft, like, you know, send them to this podcast. Hopefully this can help them understand what to expect. Um, I kept with me just from an energetic standpoint, I kept a little cleansing spray, um, with a little Palo Santo in it. Um, and you just like around the car just to cleanse energy. Cause some people come in and they smell funny. Um, some people come in and they smell like booze. Some people, they come in and they smell like funk. Um, and I didn't want that lingering for my next ride. Like I would drive like a hundred people in a week, you know? So like, it's a lot of different people getting in and out of that car. You want to cleanse the energy. I also kept a crystal with me. Um, and you know, I think that helps the vibe. Um, I'm very festive. So I had little lights. I had these little light flower crowns that I would have on around the, um, the little headrest. Oh, also tipping. So it's 10 bucks an hour before tips, but I would get tipped by one out of every five passengers. So if you go away from this episode, knowing one thing, and I want you to know this well, please tip your rideshare drivers always every time, even if you don't like them, at least a buck. It's like waitresses, like waitresses make next to no money or waiters or servers or whatever. Um, they make next to no money uh, hourly. They make all their money in tips. And it's very customary in the US to tip your server. So I don't know who these animals are who were raised to not tip their taxi drivers or rideshare drivers. If there's an option to tip, tip, tip a buck, like just make it part of the cost. Like, honestly, that it should be, uh, I think, uh, you tip for good service. And I mean, I guess my mom, I mean, my mom was in a, she was a server and has understood this and like was a housekeeper at an inn. Like, she knows that tipping is important. And so she raised me that way. And I feel like I got raised right. And if you did not get raised to tip, I'm sorry, but it's part of the transaction of being a kind human being, I think is to tip and to be free with tipping um, and have it be part of like, when you're conceiving the cost of something, like when you plan to go out for a meal, you plan to tip. It's part of the cost of the meal, I feel. 
Um, and, you know, we can fight about this, but I really believe in tipping as an important part of a kindness economy. Um, and energy is just, you know, money is energy in 3D form. And that's how you express your gratitude to people for good service. And I'm not saying everybody has to tip me on Lyft or I'm so entitled. I think every Lyft driver, even if they're not awesome, is entitled to that. I will say one of my favorite takeaways from Lyft um, is actually a couple few uh, several people changed my life. One person specifically changed my life extraordinarily. Um, and I, I cannot believe the people that I've been connected to because of this person who got in my car. And I'm so grateful that we connected and we stayed connected. And now she is one of my closest friends and it has been helping me change my life radically. And I'm grateful for that lift ride. That was a lift ride from fate. Um, and, there were several other people I connected with where like, I just really felt like we um, needed to be in each other's lives and have that conversation. And I was grateful for all of that human connection that I got to have. That was my favorite part of driving was getting to have all those great conversations with people. Not everybody wants to talk. You got to listen to social cues, but the people who did, like I really had some great conversations and really connected with folks and I'm super grateful. Um, I also, uh, what else for rideshare drivers? Uh, it was, it's also like a job that really wears down your body. Um, it's, it's like a lot of stress to not pee. And it's really hard to pee if you like are in an urban environment and driving people around and not knowing where you're going to go and like getting incentivized by the app to stay online by getting bonuses of like a dollar or two. Like when you're earning pennies for your hours, like for your minutes, then you want to earn as much as you possibly can. And the lag time between rides would cost you money. So I would often um, like stay online because I, you know, and I would also strategically drive. Like I found that if I drove an early, early shift, like 5 a.m. to like around 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. when it started slowing down from the morning rush, um, I would do those hours. I would take a midday break. Uh, usually work out um, at home, do aerobics. Aerobics really help my body. Um, I wish that I had done more yoga while that was happening. I was always, I was stretching a lot, but not stretching enough. Um, and I really, really, really hurt um, the whole back of my leg on my right side, just from stop, start, stop, start in LA traffic. Um, still hurts. It hurts right now, in fact. <laughs> so like, I, um, I have done some semi-permanent damage to my body that I'm still recovering from my, the top of my foot also from stop, start, stop, start, um, hurts. And I like, my body just basically was like, you can't drive for a lift anymore. It's over. Um, and so that's why I retired, <laughs> but I tried really hard to like, just make lift work for me. Um, and I, you know, when I was a real estate lawyer in New York, um, I was driving around like sometimes 300 miles a day doing closings. So a lot of times I never got injured the way I did for this, but, and I wasn't driving nearly as much, but you know, it was a lot, um, of going around the whole like New York and New Jersey metro area, um, to go to real estate closings. And I was literally much of my job was sitting in traffic and writing checks, like as a lawyer. Um, but I have to say this was reminiscent of that time. I got I got really aware of LA, like beyond the Northeast where I had been living the three years that I was there. Uh, three, three and a half was the total, but this was my last six months was like really hardcore gig economy, Lyft driving, being all over town. Um, but there was a driver I had when I was a passenger who um, had a kidney failure uh, because of driving uh, Lyft stuff, like just had like really bad issues with his kidney um, kidneys didn't have health insurance, um, of course, not protected by Lyft for things like that. And also you're not incentivized to drink water and pee, but I was not going to F around with my hydration. So I still got to know where every McDonald's Starbucks or in and out was because those have freely available, available bathrooms that you don't have to pay to get into. Um, sometimes you, you want to pay, you buy something, but yeah, anyway, um, so it was, uh, a cost to my body for sure. Um, it's also, so driving for Uber, they have three options for rentals. You can rent the same from Hertz. I would imagine it works the same as with Lyft. Um, you can also, and also to pick up the Lyft car, I would go to a Pet Boys and it was a rental office that was a folding table with a plastic tablecloth on it and a guy with an iPad and a printer that sometimes worked to print out the pass that was necessary for you to pick people up at the airport. But of course, I got an airport pickup and you don't know where people are going until you show up. So I show up to the 
driveway. The guy didn't print out an airport pass for me. I had to go to another office in order to get them to print it out, a Lyft hub downtown in LA. Um, but of course I go and like my first ride is to the airport. So I went with like a, a tag uh, that was not for the present vehicle I was driving. And I went very, the same day I was able to get to that place, but like, it's hard you're out there, you want to work. And that's time I would spend not having to work, having to drive to another location. Like 30 minutes away in order to get something printed out because they didn't have a working printer at their thing, but they're taking 70% of my rides, uh, the cost of my rides. So where is that money going lift? Oh, I'm so curious. Um, but I want to say that like, I think Uber drivers make a little bit more than Lyft drivers is what I've heard. I think Uber has more, um, driver, more rider volume. And I've heard from some drivers who do both Lyft and Uber. Cause if you get into a car and say, I also drive for Lyft, you're going to get all the tea. And so there was a guy who drove for both who drove a lot. He drove even more than me and he was driving his own car. He was driving like 12, 14 hour days. Um, I just couldn't keep that up. That wasn't a stamina that my body was available for. So I would like do 10 or 12 hour days. Um, but, and I needed a full night's sleep. Like that's part of my thing too. Like I have to sleep a full eight hours if I'm driving so much because I wanted to be alert. I would also meditate for a full hour because I needed to be calm because my emotional stability and emotional maturity is super important to me. And I wouldn't care as much about traffic or a-holes on the road. Um, my The spiritual director for uh, the Agape International Spiritual Center that I go to, uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith says, less honking more brakes. And so I really work hard to be that kind of a driver, less honking, honking more brakes, just more kindness. Um, so Uber also has the option to go with fair, which is a car. It's a car leasing company, car rental company. I don't know. Basically they pay for all the things and then you just rent it for a, a period of time and it's your car that you have. Uh, so it's like a day by day leasing or week by week leasing. I don't know. For Uber, if you want to drive with it, you have to like basically put yourself on a wait list. You don't know when you're going to get that car to pick up. And then when you do pick it up, you have to turn it in on the same day that you picked it up. So if it's a Tuesday rental, you have to drop it off on a Tuesday, which I found to be too much of a lifestyle um, impediment because I wanted to be available to travel um, because I was doing a lot of retreats and stuff during that time I was um, going and teaching at retreats. Um, so I needed to not be driving a Lyft rental during those weekends, right? So it just made sense to stay on Lyft and stay with their rental. I tried to do a, an Uber thing and then Uber screwed with my account. So then I couldn't go pick it up because they were like, no, this is your driver account and your rider account is a different email. So we have to change it to this email. So you have to do the driver background check again. So then I was like, well, going back to Lyft. So I never actually rented with Uber. They also apparently have a deal with GetAround, which is where you go and rent the car hourly um, and just go and drive. And I never explored that. And I feel fine about that because I didn't really want to go like rent a car for hours. I wanted to just do my shifts. Um, so that's Uber. That's Lyft. If you have questions, feel free to you know send me an email, bevinsparty at Gmail. I'll tell you more about my experience as a driver um, if you have specific questions. And also, if you want to try it, I can send you, send me questions. I'll send you my referral thing because I get money from Lyft, I think, for referring drivers. So if you want in on that, I still think they should only get to take 25% of the fare, but they still take 70. So, you know, let's listen to me, California legislature, um, protect your people, protect your workers. I did um, do a, a little bit of pet sitting with Rover. Um, I went on Rover as a pet sitter. Uh, when I was interested in opening up my home to potential dogs to come in for babysitting or to go out to people's houses and babysit their dogs there. Um, I got a few clients, but I didn't get that many. Um, but Rover's nice because they take less than 25% of your earnings, which I thought was fair. Um, but basically you just like put a listing up and people contact you. Um, you sometimes do a meet and greet. They suggest doing a meet and greet. I had to go through training. Like there was like some basic rudimentary training I had to go through. It reminded me a lot of babysitter school when I was in Girl Scouts um, as a teenager. Just kind of some basics you should know before you are available to um, pet sit. And I think I was, it made me feel safer as a person who has also used Rover to find my pet sitters um, that they go through this training. So um, I got a few gigs from it. Um, it was not, I found... I kind of had a loftier idea of what pet sitting was going to be for me because I thought it would be a health, an easy side hustle to do while I was like working on my laptop on other stuff. But 
pets, especially when they're new to an environment, need a real intense level of um, like connection and focus, which I think is great um, and important. And also like, it was not a side hustle. So like, you know, it's the kind of thing, like it's $35 a day to babysit a dog when you can't actually work on other stuff, like worth it. Yes. If I'm not trading my other time for money, like, you know what I mean? And I can get other work done after that dog is gone, but probably not sustainably, which is why like all my pets that are friends have a ton of clients and like, don't do a ton of like one-on-one work with animals. So I kind of had like a, a more of a, loftier idea of what that was going to be like. Um, but I got a few clients and I got to spend a lot of time with this, um, dog that I babysat. And it was like, I babysat her from like nine to five. So it was the perfect hours for her because she needed like literally almost constant attention, uh, probably needed some dog training. Uh, and I did a little with her, but like, she was just the sweetest little snuggly snort wall. And like, uh, I think you can hear her actually on, my episode with Ashley Manta, actually, you can totally hear Winnie. So Winnie was a result of me working on Rover. Um, so Rover was great. I loved it a lot. Um, and also I did Airbnb for a while. Um, I had really wild ideas about like what was available on Airbnb in terms of like, um, getting people to rent, but like given the cost of the house that I was in, like there, I couldn't rent the room for less than like 66 bucks a night, or I was losing money on the house and losing money on the, on the room. And, um, I, and it had a hot tub, like, I don't know, it had amenities. I was, it was pet friendly. It was cannabis friendly. So like I had some amenities that nobody else around me had, but, um, the median cost of a room in my neighborhood was like 43 bucks, or at least that's what Airbnb kept telling me on the app. So, it was really hard to make enough money. And I only ever got one renter or a pair, a couple and their dog rented for like three and a half weeks. Um, and other than that, nothing like it just like, I wasn't financially competitive with the people around me. And so I wasn't able to make it work. I wish I had done it when, um, my ex and I were still together. I kept uh, saying we need to get this room ready if we want to do Airbnb. And she never wanted to put the money in to like put a door in for the room and uh, make it ready for Airbnb. So I did all that work, put all that, all that furniture and whatnot on uh, in that door on a credit card, which I still have to pay off. So my Airbnb thing was a total flop, but um, you know, it is what it is. I tried it, but it was funny how long I thought, cause we rented that house when we rented it specifically because the guest room had its own bathroom. So it was like an easy way to um, rent out for Airbnb. And we had always planned to potentially use that room for Airbnb. It just didn't have a door on it. Um, so we needed to get that installed um, and just never did it. And I just always thought in my head, oh, Airbnb or Airbnb is totally going to work. And it didn't work. And that surprised me. So like I would suggest if you're thinking about Airbnb, really take a look at what the average cost per night is, uh, in your neighborhood. Um, not based on your amenities. Cause I was like, Oh, well people with a hot tub charge more, blah, blah, blah. But I just I still didn't see the thing. Like if you, if it's going to stand, uh, open, I also tried really hard to get a roommate too. So like, I was really trying to book that room up. Um, anyway, uh, and also maybe it was just my bad luck. Like, but it was cute. I worked really hard. Like I designed that room from scratch. I had never, um, designed a room from scratch before. I'd always just kind of like used what I had. Um, but I had a lot of intention with like what I wanted the aesthetic to look like so that it could look, um, like a cute Airbnb. And I think I did a great job. It looks really adorable. Um, but, um, you know, it's just didn't work to get what I needed from that room. Um, so I did Airbnb. I also listed on sabbaticalhomes.com, which is something my friend who is a professor suggested. So it's like a place you can list, um, for people who are university professor type people who are going to do research places and they need short term sublets. So I put it up on there. I got maybe two inquiries about it. Uh, so I don't know if it was too expensive or if it just wasn't the right time of year or whatever, but um, that did not work for me. But and also maybe it was just like where I'm and where I was in LA or maybe again, just my bad luck. But sabbaticalhomes.com, I tried that in gig economy. I um, have used TaskRabbit as a consumer. I did not figure out what task I could offer on TaskRabbit to make it something I could do. So, but I've multiply hired people off of that and I love it. And I don't actually know what the TaskRabbits make. Um, but, you know, again, always tip your people 
who you're hiring in the gig economy. Um, I've hired people like for event work because uh, I would throw events at the house uh, that were grant funded. And so I could hire people from via the grant to like clean the house or like help get things set up and uh, whatnot and hang things on the wall. I had them hang my um, expensive chalkboard, which was ruined in my move. I'm really sad about it. <laughs> it was a really sad moment, like watching that chalkboard march past me that I had paid extra to have wrapped um, for the move. And um, it was so, so brutally just destroyed. I don't know what happened, um, but it's like a whole half of it was just like broken um, off the top. And these were in the boxes too. Like the boxes were just like destroyed. The plastic bins were destroyed. Like there was one that uh, where my stuff arrived in a cardboard box that had been in a plastic bin. And I'm like, what happened to that bin? Um, Wow. Okay, so more things that I tried in the gig economy. Um, I wanted to um, sell a bunch of stuff on Craigslist, or I tried to sell a bunch of stuff on Craigslist. Craigslist, I would get like maybe two out of every five things I posted, I would get some action on and maybe sell. Um, but it was really slow and it was surprising me. And then my friend uh, Spunky turned me on to Facebook Marketplace. She's like, sell it in Facebook Marketplace. And it sold like gangbusters. I mean, granted, I price things at fire sale prices because like when I decided to move, I had literally 30 days and then I had to be gone. So I worked really hard to sell things fast. And so I was pricing things like at prices I knew that they would sell. Um, and so I... Sold about one out of every three things that I posted, but I posted liberally because it was very fast to post on Facebook Marketplace. Like Craigslist is clunky and takes a lot more screens and Facebook Marketplace is like, do, 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 pick your pictures, very brief descriptions. I would, if I, if it was a piece of furniture, I would put dimensions on the thing, but I will tell you it is literally trading your time for money as well as your stuff for money because you have to deal with a lot of rando. Um, I, probably had on average like 10 conversations to sell one piece. Sometimes I would have like one or two conversations and sometimes I would have 20 to 30 conversations depending on who, like if I learned that um, people would ask you first, is this item still available? And second, where are you located? So I would just copy and paste and have it on my, my thing on my phone to just paste in there. Yes. Cause like I wouldn't leave up an item once it was sold, I would mark it sold cause I'm conscientious. Um, but I would say, yes, I'm in Eagle Rock with my zip code. And um, like, so that would answer that question. It would weed a lot of conversations out. So that's like a great tip if you're doing that. Um, but Facebook Marketplace was great because I think people are just on Facebook. I mean, I think it's like an old statistic I heard from like three years ago is that like one out of every four website clicks is to Facebook. So I imagine that has to still be true, uh, at least if not more, right? People are addicted to Facebook. So uh, selling stuff on there where someone is already addicted and like the algorithm knows that this person is like in the neighborhood. So maybe they want my, you know, new inbox puppet theater that I sold um, or whatever. That was a hard thing to sell. It was brand new in the box, but like I couldn't return it to Amazon because it was a gift. And I um, was just trying to sell this like it was like a $70 <laughs> puppet theater brand new in the box had never been put together and some puppets which I don't know I don't remember how much they cost but um the person who finally bought that I I had a lot of conversations about that GD puppet theater um I kept lowering the price I started at like 45 and then I ended up selling it for 30 maybe um but whatever between selling everything uh that I owned and, um, my car, which I didn't sell for much, but like, I found I found a guy on Facebook, uh, because my friend, uh, just randomly like, uh, saw him posting in a neighborhood group that, uh, he buys cars. So he came and bought my car, which was really helpful. Um, and, uh, he like, meaning he came to my house. Like I didn't know how to sell a car. I'd never sold a car before. Um, no, I had sold a car once before, but like I had a guy, a friend that hooked me up with a guy. But similar to this, actually, same story. In fact, a friend hooked me up with a guy who sold my car, uh, but he had posted in a neighborhood group that he buys used cars. And what was great was he interfaced with me and my ex uh, to deal with the title, um, which I didn't realize that she had taken the title, but she did. Um, and so luckily he was willing to deal with uh, my gay divorce drama. And it wasn't that dramatic. It was just like two people that had to sign off on this car. So between selling the car, selling all my stuff, 
That was literally how much my uh, my movers extorted from me because they were supposed to be uh, like, okay, I'm cutting myself off. I got to stop talking about the move, but I am going to pursue. I've been asked this a lot on Instagram uh, DM just over the last couple of days. So I'm going to answer it now. This is my plan with the moving. I'm going to file a claim because they have a claim thing. I'm going to uh, call my visa debit card and see what my options are with them regarding a chargeback. And then I am going to pursue um, basically everywhere that I looked to see what the reputation of this moving company was. And I found it to be adequate. I'm going to go and write a review um, so that I can prevent. I mean, if, if I can save one person the anguish of dealing with their stuff being broken like this, like I, it will have not been in vain. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, trying to have the attitude of it's just stuff. The universe wanted me to release stuff. And I guess I had to release even more stuff. And um, I'm trying to look at the bright side. And I'll say this, my story, because I was like 12 boxes shy of what I actually sent to be in storage. um, Having less stuff means that there's less stuff in my storage space, which means I might be able to make my storage space a kind of closet annex if I can get like a clothing rack. Um, cause like several of my clothing boxes are totally ruined and I need to replace them, but maybe I can save replacing one of the boxes and have some stuff on a rack. I'm just saying like, what if I live in a tiny house and I have a storage space that has a little closet in it? I don't know. Um, I'm paying for it anyway. You know what I mean? I could try to like downsize the storage space. Um, anyway, I wanted to also just add some of the, um, I got great advice from my friends. I have to say the reason why this podcast is called Bevan FM over 40 and her friends is because my friends are my literal favorite form of wealth. Like wealth is so many things. I'm a very, very wealthy woman in friends. I have amazing friends and they have a pool of resources and information. And this is why I love interviewing them for you. So you can hear my smart friends say what they're smart about. And I asked my friends to tell me their tips about being an Airbnb host. And I got great advice. So like setting up this room, I I just want to say I did it all with secondhand furniture. I got a brand new, beautiful duvet that was like perfect. And like, uh, for the like kind of beachy vibe I was hoping for. And it was $13 at Goodwill and it was brand new, never been used. It had shams. Um, I got a bed on Facebook marketplace. I bought it from a kid at USC. I had to pay a guy a hundred dollars to go pick it up and then assemble it. But I was, uh, it was what it cost, but I'm glad that like I tried, right? Like, so I like furnished this room for a total of maybe like 140 bucks. No, 240 bucks, like not including installing the door, which arguably my landlord should probably have paid for that. But, um, you know, I was trying to, to kind of not be a pain in the butt. You know what I mean? Like, um, and my landlords turned around and rented out that space for $3,800 a month after I left. So they did an $800, uh, rent jump. And that is what's happening in Los Angeles right now. Um, with rental wise. And here I am in a tiny house in uh, Washington. So let me tell you my smart friend's advice. Um, Comfy bedding gets great reviews. So make sure to have very comfy bedding. I had um, a memory foam mattress that I put on the bed that I think really made it super comfy. Um, I got really nice sheets. My friend gave me a pair of really nice brand new sheets. So um, having, I knew it was going to be extra comfy. And I also went out and there was a sale at Macy's on Ralph Lauren pillows. And those are the best pillows I've ever used, um, in terms of just like being like chic, comfy guest room style pillows. Like my day-to-day pillow is actually a, my pillow that I bought from QVC, um, right after, um, my partner broke up with me. I bought new pillows. I was like, I need it. I need new pillows. So, um, I tr- I'm trying these my pillows. They're pretty great. Um, a little fancier than the Ralph Lauren pillows, but I wouldn't have bought a my pillow for a guest room. I feel like a guest room is a more neutral pillow experience, and so I just bought like firm uh, Ralph Lauren pillows, which normally cost like twenty six bucks or something like that. But you can get them on sale um, at Macy's at the right time of year for six dollars and ninety nine cents, and I got two of them. Uh, so I had really deluxe pillows in that room. Um, and I kept the furniture super simple. Um, there was just a table, not a table. There was a good dresser, like a smallish dresser, um, a closet and, um, a little chair. Cause there's a lot of workspaces in the living room. Um, anyway, 
whatever. The great advice there was just have comfy bedding. Um, I also uh, was given advice about like the cleaning rate, like make the cleaning rate hefty and make the the nightly rate of the unit much less. Um, and then that would, and I had like also put on discounts for like weekly stays and monthly stays. Um, but basically doing that, um, I had a friend who's been a super host on Airbnb tell me to, um, she said to put on the instant book. She said, don't worry about it. It's been fine for her. And she shares her actual house with people. Um, and she's like booked out all the time, but, um, she's also able to rent it out for like what the average rent is in her area versus like, uh, someone who has a higher cost of the house, um, that needs to charge more. So, um, what was other good Airbnb? I also had a friend who had rented out on Airbnb and had on instant book in Los Angeles and did not have a good experience with a guy. And then she turned off instant book and then had no trouble renting out her room. So I don't know, maybe it was just my luck with, uh, maybe I was just meant to come to Washington. Also, I have to say like, I'm really looking at the bright side of things, uh, with these, uh, this mover situation. And today, um, there was a box that I opened that had things that had, that were from multiple different boxes. So not, and this box didn't have the Apple TV in it, which it, when I packed it up, it did, it was a, it's a plastic bin. So I know exactly the bin, um, that had it and it's not in there. So that's gone, but they did leave my iPad, which I was grateful for. Cause I use that for faculty dance party, uh, when I teach aerobics. And, um, but then there were things that were from a box of my old journals. So those were in there. So there were two journals in there. Uh, there was my grandmother's astrological chart, uh, which was done by hand, by the way, because we didn't have the internet before. And so someone did her chart by hand. Um, and so I had saved it and it was in a grandmother box. So that was a whole different box. And then there was a picture of my best friend from high school eating, uh, something, I don't know what she was eating. But, uh, so I had this picture of 15 year old Jeanette, like in this box as well, which was in a different box that was for photos. So I did not understand what happened to my stuff. I am imagining perhaps there was an avalanche because they did not appropriately pack the thing, or perhaps they threw all of my things in a, in a hole, um, and just like saw them just gleefully, like just saw my stuff rolling down and then just like tossed it all back into a bin. I don't know what happened, but I was looking through all of these things, kind of horrified at um, how everything has arrived. And, but then I like opened one of the journals to a passage that talked about, uh, and I had completely forgotten about this, but basically I applied to work at a Girl Scout camp outside of Seattle. Uh, So I don't know where exactly it was, but maybe it was around here. Um, and it's just interesting that like, I guess a lot more times in my life than I thought I was actually open to and pursuing moving to Washington. Um, and it's so like, I just never really like concretized moving up here until my mom retired up here. And I just really loved it. Like, I just love this area. I love how natural it is. I love the Eagles. I love that there are orcas, um, out in the water, like literal killer whales are swimming like within probably a mile of me. There's probably some killer whale swimming. I'm just saying like my life is really blessed in terms of physically where I am and the nature I get to connect to up here. It's so beautiful. Um, and it's just like so interesting. I just never realized how much I was centering the openness to move to Washington. Um, I have moved here once before, which I will talk about in a later episode, um, when I was four years old. Uh, so at some point I'm going to interview my mom on my podcast and talk to you about that, uh, experience of moving here once when we were, when I was little briefly, uh, it's lesbian drama. Why we did not say, um, so isn't this a fun podcast? I love sharing my life with you. Thank you so much for tuning into this. Um, I really love chatting with you. Um, I love hearing about uh, how folks are connecting with the podcast. Um, And also like would love to chat more. If you have like more questions about um, gig economy work or like, oh, I'm also going to try selling plasma. I've never done that before, but apparently you can make money and it helps research. Um, So I'm going to try to sell some plasma next week. I will let you know. (laughs) how it goes. I'm like, I have it. Like it helps research. Like 
I need some cash. Like, let's, let's get some stuff moving. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, she works hard for the money. Um, and also like if you can sell plasma, then you don't have to sell your time for money. Right. Um, anyway, so I'm going to try that. Um, and yeah, anyway, if you have any questions, email me bevinsparty at gmail.com. And also you can find me on Instagram, bevinsparty at gmail.com. No, just Bevin's party, not, not my email address. Sorry. It's late. Like I just want to also give props for myself for persevering. I am very committed to releasing these podcasts by Friday's commute time. And, um, I have had like multiple things about it's slow internet and the, uh, and all the things, but I still, I persevere. Um, I want to give any of you who are listening still a little like special holiday star, uh, for just, tuning into the very end and being a true fan and, um, also a holiday star for self-care for whatever you did today to take great care of yourself. I'm giving you a sticker. Even if you haven't done that thing yet, as soon as you do it, just imagine me giving you a sticker, a high five for self-care. I love you so much. And I will talk to you next week.